You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. And since it's Wednesday, I'm really excited to welcome back on the program the one and the only Cruz Ann McCalligan. Cruz, it's so lovely to speak to you. How, how are you doing? Hello, I'm doing well, Noreen. Lovely to hear you as well. Yeah, it's been, well, I wouldn't say a while, but, you know, sometimes I'm off, sometimes I'm minute. in. So, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a great topic for us this afternoon. I don't think I've heard you ever talk about this. I don't think we've ever touched on seatbelts um, no. at all on, 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 on the one, two, three show. So when you suggested I was delighted. Oh, well, I, I have a morbid reason for coming to oh. seatbelts. Mm. I, um, I was recently investigating... Um, car seats for my children. You know, when you start um, thinking about what's the best car seat, whether they should be forward-facing or backward-facing. And oh, I yes, went down yes. a bit of an internet... <laughs> and, um, like a rabbit hole. Yes, yes. Like a real rabbit hole about it and about safety and seat belts. And um, it made me think a lot because I've had a couple of times that I've given people a list and they don't automatically put their seatbelt on. And I'll be like, Seriously? and I'll put it on my... It's like the my... first thing I do. Yes, and, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm a bit of a chicken. I just don't want, you know, seatbelts save lives or something. They, you know. they, they do. do. They save lives. And and I always find myself putting on that, like, kindergarten teacher voice of seatbelts, everyone, <laughs> you know, whenever anyone gets in my car. Um, but I was kind of, I was looking into it. Um, and so I wanted to know a bit more. I know that a woman invented windscreen wipers and I was wondering about like these kinds of inventions we have around our vehicles, um, around cars and things. And I was just curious and I was thinking about seatbelts. So I thought we'd look into it. So the seatbelt was originally invented by a man called George Cayley, who was an English engineer in the late 1800s, who created belts to keep pilots inside their gliders. So it had nothing to do with vehicles, right? It was mainly to do with sort of glides and planes. Um, the first patented seatbelt was created by an American called Edward Claghorn, which is just a great name for someone. Cool name. Um, yeah, Claghorn. Cool um, in February 1885, and this patented seatbelt was to keep tourists safe in taxis in New York City, which I was thinking about a little bit, and I was like, of course, 1885, we've got taxis in New York. If you were from different parts of the of the country in the U.S., you may never have been in a car or you may never have you know been driven around and of course new york at the time was like miles ahead in terms of having this sort of infrastructure of public transportation having taxis so it's kind and of an interesting idea probably not a lot of vehicles on the road so maybe taxis yeah. were going at pretty fast speed who yeah. knows yeah. they probably were and over time the seatbelt slowly started showing up in manufactured cars to help passengers and drivers stay put inside their car seats but there was actually a lot less concern for overall driving safety. Um, though invented in the late 1800s, it wasn't until the 1930s, so quite a while later, that several U.S. physicians began testing lap belts and immediately saw their impact and began urging manufacturers to provide seatbelts in all cars. And in 1954, Sports Car Club of America required competing drivers to wear lap belts, which seems very late if you were already having sports car races, but that's fine, 1954. And they had to wear lap belts during competitions. And in the following year, the Society of Automotive Engineers appointed a Motor Vehicle Seatbelt Committee. So race car drivers were really the first to wear seatbelts to help protect them against serious internal injuries, right? Now... 
this is all quite interesting, but the real breakthrough with modern seatbelts came in 1958 with a man called Niels Bolin. And Volvo will say very few people have saved as many lives as Niels Bolin. And they are right. Niels Bolin is a very little-known Volvo engineer who invented the V-type three-point safety belt in 1959. That's the one that we all use now, the cross-check. The one that, yes, comes in front of your body. Yes, yes. And um, he actually saw his innovation through to universal adoption across the motor industry. His new cross-strap design made seatbelts much easier to use and much safer. And it's very hard for us to imagine cars without them now. Right, we we'd all have them. So, 2019 was actually the 60th anniversary of this breakthrough idea, um, and so it's quite an incredible idea. So, um, even at the time, Volvo's president was a man called Gunnar Ingelau, who was an engineer himself, and he suffered direct personal loss from a road traffic accident. A relative had died partly because of shortcomings in a two-point belt design, which was not even a standard feature in cars at the time. So the, the, the president of Volvo at the time, like just the, the across-the-lap seatbelt, had lost a relative to that, to that seatbelt. He was in an accident and everything else. There were two major problems with that two-point belt design, which crosses the lap only. It's another reason that I just never feel safe putting children or people in a middle seat if you don't have to with a lap belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's always a bit like, oh, no, that's not a good one. It's not a good seat. Um, now, firstly, the first problem is that the human pelvis is hinged. A single strap doesn't restrain our torso, leaving passengers vulnerable to severe head, chest, and spinal injuries in a collision. Positioned badly, the belt can also crush your internal organs on impact. So this isn't a very good design, the across-the-lap belt, right? Secondly, people don't want to wear them. Until uh, Nils Bolin um, created the the three-point belt, mid-century seatbelts were clumsy and uncomfortable. And if you you can't persuade people to wear a restraint, it turns out that it's useless. So someone doesn't want to wear this this belt across their lap. They're not going to wear it, and it's not going to have the desired effect. So, Bolin made seatbelts more comfortable and easier to use. You could now buckle up across the chest and the waist using just one hand, which seems simple enough. But even with the new design improvement, it took six years of promotion to persuade uh, a minority of Swedes to use the new design. So, it wasn't an overnight success, right? And I think that's what I find interesting about the whole idea of seatbelts is like what I also find interesting about vaccine hesitancy, you know what I mean? You have the ability to do something that's just going to lessen if something happens. It's mm. just a preventative measure. Mm. You know what I mean? And and yet people uh, seem to be more like more hassled or put out by the preventative measure than a fear of what could actually happen at the end. A fear of the car crash itself. You know, the impact of being in a car accident. Um so anyway, so of course, innovations like the seatbelt can require millions of millions of dollars in research and development and investment. And Volvo went to great lengths to test the efficacy of this invention in the 1950s and 60s, running hundreds of experiments and researching tens of thousands of accidents to verify how um, the efficacy of it, this sort of three-point seatbelt. But giving people scientific data is not enough to persuade them to make a change in their lives. Sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, 
Of course, the mass adoption of these things often requires an emotional or cultural paradigm shift. But seatbelt usage in native Sweden did eventually grow, remembering that this was happening at Volvo in Sweden, which is why it grew from Sweden, right? From an astonishingly low 25% seatbelt usage rate in 1965 to over 90% of Swedish car users by 1975. So in just 10 years there was a massive increase in people wearing a seatbelt. Um, but of course, this reminds us that innovation and invention are not the same thing. The latter requires, um, you know, uh, adoption to qualify, it has to work, and innovation is invariably risky. But it's super interesting because without Volvo being quite a persistent force in this process, modern seatbelts may have taken an extra 10 years or more to come to market. Yeah, I can't so imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine not having seatbelts and not having the seatbelts that we're used to now. The design I could have remember, been. I do remember. I do remember taxis when I was a child in Hong Kong not always having seatbelts. Am I imagining that? <laughs> nope, you're absolutely right. And and actually, till this day, some minibuses still don't have seatbelts, and that's terrifying. And you don't sort of realize it until you get on and you beep your octopus card, and you think, oh, there's no seatbelt, and that's quite scary. I find it is. It's. It's. I think it's really terrifying. Um, of they're, course, they're not that what, strict with seatbelt laws and car seats. Is, I mean, that's a topic for for, for another day. But just car yeah. seats for for children, which you know, many yeah. jurisdictions, many other places, it's illegal not to have them. I remember. I remember having a when I had my daughter in New Zealand. I wasn't allowed to leave the hospital until I brought her car seat oh, to wow. the hospital to show to them show, I had a car yeah. seat. Yeah. Fair it's enough. It's a huge, yeah. yeah I, I it's remember, pretty incredible. I remember leaving the, the, the hospital with, with, with Guppy, um, it, with with her just in a sling, and I remember thinking afterwards, "Gosh, that's really terrifying." I mean, it was <laughs> it was a short drive; it was just only like a three minute drive, but still, you know, it's yeah, yeah. terrifying. Well, um, anyway. The, the point is, I think now we're both pretty much seat converts, yes, we are, um, we which are. is a positive thing. Um, and of course, the, the interesting thing is once the idea of safety benefits of seatbelts caught on in the US, um, the sales of seatbelts skyrocketed and auto, um, auto companies offered seatbelts as optional equipment and they were even sold at local gas stations. Like So they weren't required necessarily by law. It was only until um, in, t- in 1966 where American vehicles were required to have seatbelts in their cars. And as such, by 1975, most first world countries had a seatbelt requirement in their cars. Once they became more common in cars, laws followed afterwards. By 1970, the world's first seatbelt law was created in Victoria, Australia, actually, which required passengers to wear their seatbelts at all times. In the U.S., seatbelt laws came about around um, with the Safety Act of 1966 for traffic and motor vehicle safety. And though they were required by law to be in cars, wearing seatbelts were a bit of a different story. So you were required to, the law was that the car had to be designed with the seatbelts in it, but it didn't require you to wear it. (laughs) So there was, which is like, come on, guys, could you see the loophole? Um, So the National Ad Council ran countless ads for over 25 years in the US, encouraging drivers to buckle up. States slowly started implementing laws, and by 1995, which sounds like very recent history, only because we're older than we think we are, <laughs> but by 1995, um, all states had a seatbelt enforcing law. 
but of course, this is um, this is still a, a super interesting thing because people still weren't always that keen on wearing them. Um, it's it's hard to imagine a time before seatbelts, um, even though you know people have been wearing them now for decades and decades and decades. Um, but they have caused a lot of problems. And I think the interesting thing is people talk about the fact that they're uncomfortable. I don't want to wear them. You can't make me wear one. It's like the mask debate. <laughs> I don't want to. You're impinging on my freedom. I don't like it. And so a lot of the time they would find that even if cars had installed them, back in the day, people used to cut them out of their vehicles cut because they didn't out. want to wear one. They used to <laughs> cut them out. Um but, you know, it's like you're digging your own grave. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so it's, it's kind of fascinating in, in that way because they are incredibly, incredibly effective at doing what they're supposed to do. Um, they, they do... But Cruz, um, you and I are quite similar in, in, in the sense that, you know, we'll always buckle up. There are people still nowadays when they get into a taxi for a short ride who just think, oh, I'm not going to buckle up or on the minibus because it's it's yeah. just not a habit or it's not really enforced here in Hong Kong. Um, yeah, which, fortunately, the, the traffic is relatively slow, but still, it, it can, I mean, it, it, it will save lives if it comes I to that. I completely agree with you. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get lulled into a false sense of security mm. with the many blessings that the city gives us. One of which is, like you said, traffic is relatively slow. We, we do have highways and we do have big main roads, but you don't often have people in urban centres flooring at over 100 kilometers an hour and you, you're going to you know you're going to be hard pressed to to find a 10 minute period where you're not at a traffic light you know what i mean so i think in that way we do get lulled into that false sense of security but as you said it doesn't matter a car is moving fast and you are going to move faster than that car if you hit an object so um it's definitely something to be mindful of but people have always had this resistance around it, um, and they, they thought this was a terrible infringement on their liberty. And apparently, in the early 1990s, there was a real, like, I mean, you can think of it as, like, anti-masking people, that kind of crowd of people, um, that people were selling T-shirts that made it look like you were wearing a seatbelt in a car. No. So you didn't, that you would go to that much trouble to purchase a T-shirt that made it look like you were wearing one and then rather than wear the, it. And then, and then cut out the seatbelt. <laughs> yeah, hashtag freedom, Maureen. Oh, um, but, um, but anyway, so it, it's pretty fascinating in that way. But of course, this is this man, Niels, um, Niels Bolin. He was the one who created the three-point seatbelt and it has saved hundreds of thousands of lives. It has prevented or reduced the severity of injuries for millions of people. So it's not just that it saved lives, it's also prevented what could have been much more catastrophic, severe injuries from a car seat. And billions of people have used a seatbelt over the last year. Well, maybe not the last year with COVID, a lot of people at home, but in, let's think, a couple of years, you know, on the, in an average year, we would say this. So it's an incredibly, incredible in, invention. Um, and if you're not wearing a seatbelt, well, good luck to you, because a scientific study by Bolin, Niels Bolin, published in 1967, covered 28,000 road traffic accidents, demonstrating that unbelted occupants sustained fatal injuries throughout the whole speed scale. So that means that 
even if you're traveling at 15 kilometers an hour or 80 kilometers an hour, you are still at a big risk. You're still traveling faster than you could physically run yourself mm. into a wall. Do you know what I mean? Um, and amazingly, of the 37,511 people involved in the accidents he studied, no passengers wearing a three-point seatbelt had died unless traveling at very high speeds above 60 miles per hour. So it's incredible in that way. And you can also look at it from an economic point of view, the savings at scale to the insurance industry. Tens of billions of insurance losses have been avoided since 1959 from you know the millions of mitigated injuries and deaths avoided. Um, this has saved us all money on insurance premiums. Um, because of the imp- the improvement in car safety, so it's kind of fascinating. So they now have this. Um, they, so we, they Volvo can take credit for that. I know Volvo's probably got quite a checkered history with quite a few different uh, different things there, but they did do one thing right. They did have a very <laughs> clever engineer, Mr. Bolin, who was um, a one. It gave us this incredible invention, and of course we do all sort of say that you know um, uh, that you know even study you know. Uh, 32% of people were still refusing to be wearing seatbelts in the U.S. Um, in 1996. People can be really, really resistant to change, and sometimes it just takes seeing something in action for us to realize the implications. And mm. that was 1996, and of course in 1997 was the um, tragedy of Princess Diana, who was not wearing a seatbelt when she had her fatal car crash in Paris. Um, she was not wearing a seatbelt and that's one of those things that i think reinforced to everyone that you know like it can happen to anybody i was just reading it there were some reports to say that had she been wearing a seatbelt then who knows maybe she'd still be you know um able to avoid the accident yeah yeah it's true i once read a, a book by a pathologist who worked on um worked with someone who had um investigated and said the same thing that actually a seatbelt really could um improve the chances and it's made me think about it a lot recently just because i think about mask wearing and i think about the world we're in now and the the way that people value different things and um it's just a very interesting concept and i hope that we have more of an uptake across the world to appreciate innovation and technology for what it is and that it's designed there not to just strip us of our liberties and freedoms but to protect us and to preserve and protect human life because we're pretty frail and <laughs> fragile exactly um, yeah i do have a couple of quotes noreen to end them today yes go for it um the first one is um from the comedian george carlin who said a lot of the people who keep a gun at home for safety are the same ones who refuse to wear a seatbelt." <laughs> probably true um and then the author, and I'm going to try to pronounce this, and you know I'm terrible at pronouncing different names, so I apologize. Nwachukwu Ogwagu, who said, next time you think about conscience, um, liken it to card seatbelts, which, when worn, make you fare better in the journey of life than when not. Hmm. Yes. Very very deep. Um, when you were talking about those uh, sort of people who have guns, are they the ones who also may or may not wear masks? I, I don't know. Yes, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to draw that parallel. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, Cruz, thank you so much for, for your time this afternoon and thank you so much for, for your sharing and I look forward to uh, more intriguing audio columns uh, with you next week. Thank you very much. No problem. Bye See for you. now.